Our score after two periods of play here at the Songus Center is Merrimack nothing, UMass Lowell nothing, battle of the number eight and the number seven ranked teams in the country and the number two and three teams in the Hockey East standings. Our second intermission is brought to you by Palmer's Restaurant of Andover with great food, drink, and service. Palmer's is the place to be for your pregame meal or postgame celebration. Mike McMahon with us from the MacReport.com and also the Eagle Tribune and uh, talking off the air there. Uh, you know, uh, John and I thought the puck might, went, went through cleanly on that shot from Kalamatis. For the point, you thought that it was deflected. Uh, what did you say? It was tough to tell. You couldn't tell if it changed direction. Uh, ultimately, I thought they celebrated at first like Myers had the goal on the ice. And, of course, Kolomatis led him through the line by the bench. And usually the guy that leaves the line is the one that scores the goal. So uh, it, it's without seeing a replay, it's really hard to tell. I have to assume that the official saw something. I don't remember. I think the call on the ice was a goal, though, right? right. Is that correct? So you got to assume that they saw something, but we don't have access to a replay here in the arena like we do in some of the other, uh, some of the other rinks. Uh, and I doubt we'll ever see one. So we'll probably never know for sure. Well, probably fitting that these two teams are tied at the end of, whether it's scoreless or otherwise, uh, that they're tied at the end of two periods because both teams came in tonight with such a great record when leading after two. Uh, it seemed like something was going to have to give Merrimack 12-0-1 leading after two, Lowell 16-1. Both teams have had a lot of leads after one. Both teams have held a lot. I mean, after two periods, both teams have held a lot of leads. Uh, but it's going to be 20 minutes or, or possibly 25 here to to decide this one. Yeah, and I think both of that goes back to their goaltenders, too. I think you could argue that these two guys are probably the best goalies in the league. You could probably make the argument that they're two of the best goalies in the country. Uh, and I think, you know, that the fact that they've, they've led so many times after two periods, both of them have, have really been because of some good goaltending. I think we've seen it tonight. I think Kanata has been huge. Uh, Carr has made a couple of the acrobatic saves. He made the toe save there in the first period, I think, on Bates. Uh, and and Kanata has made a couple of big saves as well. And, and really, the, the fact that this game is, is still 0-0, I think, is because Joe Kanata has made some really game-saving stops, uh, especially in the first period. And a couple there in the second as well, but uh, there was a couple down this end here in the first where I thought you know, Lowell potentially could have taken a lead early, and, and they've been able to score in some bunch here too, so uh, it's been it's been a goaltending battle for sure. Yeah, Lowell got a couple of those quick strike chances in the first period, but Merrimack seemed to have maybe uh, a few of the better quality scoring chances. As Lowell was just throwing the puck on net from anywhere in the first period, and but they did have a few of those good chances, like you said. We both goaltenders played well. I thought the first period edged the car, had to make a few more of the tough saves. The second period certainly edged the Kanata, so we'll see what happens here in the third period. But I want, I want to talk to you about some of the things that you wrote about this week. First of all, uh, the even strength. I'm sure some of the people listening have probably read your work already, but uh, in the event that they haven't, uh, tell us some of the research you did about how teams have done in the league at even strength this year. Uh, well, the two teams here tonight, Lowell and Merrimack, have the best goal differential uh, in even strength situations over the course of the entire season, and they're not far apart. Uh, Lowell's got a .92 goals against a goal differential. Uh, Merrimack's .88, so they're four one hundredths of a goal apart. Uh, and then you know they've done it though in different ways. Uh, I think you know, Lowell's just scored a lot of goals even strength. Merrimack's the only team in the league that is allowed under a goal in even strength. They've got actually 0.96 goals against average in even strength play. Uh, and, and it's sort of they're both at the top of the league in those scenarios and, and both doing it a different way. The, the other thing that was surprising to see that too is, is Northeastern has the third best goals differential in the league at even strength. They're down the bottom of the league in the standings. It just goes to show you how much their, their special teams have really struggled this year. Yeah, and I guess overall the other thing that shows you, I mean, special teams, you, you can't have special teams hurt you, and uh, certainly they can help you as well. I mean, they can help you or they can hurt you, and, and, and those being perfect examples. Uh, how about uh, 
uh, I mean, we were talking a little bit before the game, but it seems as though uh, special teams for the Warriors have tailed off as the season has gone along. Both the, the power play and the penalty kill are down around the middle of the pack right now, whereas earlier in the season, I know the penalty kill was top five. I think the power play was, was top ten or top fifteen at, at some point. But uh, tonight, at least, it seems as though... Um, you know the penalty kill. Very impressed with the job that they've done on the on the kill here tonight and on the power play. Even though I mean they had the goal that was called back, they've generated some good chances. Even though they're going up against a pretty good penalty killing team, Lowell. Yeah, and I think a lot of that just from a, from a Lowell standpoint has to do with the fact that they're shooting the puck more. I mean they were very much I thought uh, the last couple of years here anyway. They they get the puck and they move it quickly, but not necessarily putting the puck on net. Uh, they shoot the puck a lot quicker than they have in years past. Obviously under uh, Norm Bazan, first year head coach. Uh, and I think Merrimack's done a pretty good job on the lower power plays, keeping them out of grade A and, and keeping them out of real high-quality chances. So if they have had, if they have fired the puck quickly, it's been from the perimeter, it's been from the tops of the circles, where either Joe Canada's going to have plenty of time to see it, uh, or you're going to be able to get a guy in front of it. I think, you know, uh, Simone Demers made a big block down there on, on one of the power plays. Uh, so I mean, they're, they're getting in the lanes, which is something that didn't go very well against BU last, oh, sorry, not BU, excuse me, uh, a couple of weeks before when the, when the penalty kill struggled. Uh, they I thought they weren't getting in the lanes that they were earlier in the year. They definitely have done that tonight. I thought they did it against UMass last week as well. Even on a bigger ice sheet, have sort of shrunk it up and, and really kept it in the outside. We're talking about what they may need to do here down the stretch as uh, this is their first of eight games remaining. Um, I think they need ten points. That, I think that's a magic number. I don't can't really tell you how I came up with that except for, you know looking at, say, a five and three record, which would be over 500, and five, five wins would get you ten points. I, I guess that's where that comes from. But you know, what are your thoughts? What do they need to, to do here in the last eight games of this season? I think five and three is a you know a good bet. Uh, everybody's so close together now; it really can change on a week-to-week basis. I mean, you have a couple of teams. If, if Maine goes through a rough patch here and really starts to struggle, uh, now in terms of getting home ice, you might have to do less. Uh, same thing with any of these teams. I mean, they're so close together. Uh, you know, if, if Lowell goes into a funk here and loses a couple of games, and Merrimack's on the winning side of two or three in a row, now all of a sudden maybe you don't have to go two and two over those last four. Maybe you got to go one and three. You know, it, it really it, it's. It's so close in the league and nationally too. I mean, uh, that I think five and three is a good bet. I think if they go five and three and they can they can pick up ten points here in the last eight games, that's probably going to get them a home ice spot. Uh, but really, it, it depends on, on what some of these other teams do, and, and they've still got a lot of big games coming up with teams that are in the top five with them. Tell us about some of the other things on your blog this week. As I mentioned uh, to John before, you're pretty prolific. Had an awful lot of things to write about. Uh, what would you like to talk about here? Uh, well, one of the things that I thought was interesting too was uh, the amount of penalties called in the league. It just I broke it up by league game only because non-conference games can get a little uh, a little convoluted. But uh, in terms of league games, if you took the, the total amount of penalty minutes called over the course of the entire year so far in league and, and just divided it by the number of league games that have been played, uh, hockey is the most penalized team. The most penalized conference in the nation, which I thought was interesting. Uh, is, you know, we looked a little bit at the even strength, what, what teams have done even strength, but it just goes to show you that in this league, especially special teams, play a big part because with those penalties being called, I mean, you're going to have a lot of teams that have power play opportunities and you're going to have to kill a lot of penalties. And uh, the, the, the big thing, though, looking at that to me was the, the disparity. I think Atlantic Hockey was, was the least penalized conference in the nation. And, 
I think it was about an eight-minute difference, which is potentially four power plays over the course of the game. So it's it's I don't really know if it even means anything, and I think I wrote this. I'm not even sure what you could take away from it, uh, other than just to say you know there's there's obviously some differences in the way that, that things are called in, inside of different conferences, and I think by having more penalties called in hockey East than anywhere else in the country this year, uh, it just it makes special teams that much more important. Some other interesting things this week. I know you had the CHL versus uh, NCA thing. Some some shots fired across the bows by by both sides, and some interesting comments from both sides. It is interesting. You know, I, the one of those a column on Sportsnet this week, uh, a service out of Canada, where uh, one of their CHL writers who covers the team uh, covers the league up there wrote, wrote a, a column sort of saying that the the hate coming from the NCAA might not be you know geared in the right direction. And I think that was actually in response to there was something that came out of. The, some comments I think that yeah. North Dakota coach Dave yeah, Haxtell had yeah. made, and, and it might have been in response to that. Yeah. But, but of course, all this stuff goes back a ways anyway, so really everybody's responding to it. It's hard to say who fired the first shot, exactly. but, but either way, very interesting. I, I'm sorry, go on. Yeah, no, and, and, and I think it's because he's lost a couple of players the last couple of months, right. too, some commitments that have backed out on him. But uh, it, the thing that I found funny about the whole thing was one of the arguments made in the column was, well, you know, the NCAA teams are recruiting gray niners now, and they're four, f- 15 years old or 14 years old, and it's like, oh, CHL holds a Phantom draft for 13 or 14 year olds. I mean, so if you really want to play both sides of the coin, you're doing the same thing. You say those are older players for them, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and, and it seems to be getting younger. Uh, but you know, I think I did think that Colin made some good points. In the in the in the point that he was making was that the NCAA, some of the things that the NCAA people are upset about are rules that are implemented by their own league. I mean, the the NCAA is is the what the governing body that has said if a player plays in the CHL, he can't play. He's not eligible to play in the NCAA, but uh, and, and the, from a CHL perspective, I can see how you'd make that argument. I don't think it really holds up because, of course, now you're talking about the NCAA changing all of its policies across all of its sports. Well, my, gonna yeah, I mean, the impression that I've got is that that's really been, I mean, it, hockey's wanted it to be that way and, and, yeah. and that most of the coaches actually want to keep it that way because they're worried about, you know, uh, there'd be nothing to prevent kids from going. Uh, everybody would go to Major Junior to try out and see if you make it, and only the guys that don't make it would come back. Yeah, and a lot of those guys started in the league at 16. I mean, once you're 20, you're done. And there's, I mean, there's some guys in college that don't aren't freshmen until 21 or 22 years old. So, I mean, you could theoretically have a guy that goes in and plays four years of major junior. Maybe he doesn't get drafted, he doesn't get signed, and then could go to a university. What about, what about a compromise? I'm surprised no one's brought this up yet. I mean, right now the question is either you know no no uh, no sitting out a year, you could play right away, which like I said they don't seem to want, or you have to sit out a year, which which makes it so nobody wants to try to go that route. I mean, why not something in the middle like half a year? Because yeah, nobody wants to settle. <laughs> yeah, everybody wants their own way, I guess. Yeah, it's it, it, it is it, it's it's a situation that's going to have to be addressed at some point, I'm sure. Uh, but you know, I think right now both sides are so far apart and wanting it to be their way, and that's it. That it's uh, we might be a little ways off from a compromise. But you know what? Ultimately, like you said, I think that's what you're going to end up with, somewhere in the middle. The one side's going to have to give a little, the other side's going to give a little, and you're going to end up with somewhere in the middle. All right, Mike. I wish we had more time, but we don't. We have to let you go. Mac Report, themacreport.com, and also Eagle Tribune. Mike's uh, covering for the game tonight. Mike, thanks as always. It's good to see you. Thanks, Mike. You too. All right, that's Mike McMahon. The score here is zero to zero at the end of two.